due to adult content. Parental discretion is advised. To begin. To begin. Are you watching closely? How to start. I just, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? In Life Itself, a memoir, Roger Ebert begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it. The audio surrounded me. Molded by it. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. At first, the frames flicker without connection. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bull Movie Talk. What used to be a Tristram Shandy story. In which, apparently, obviously, we don't talk about Tristram Shandy minute by minute. But isn't that the point? Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and Bull story. Here's your host, me, Professor Robert E. G. Black. For example, this is episode 53. So, let's take a look at minute 53 of the Spitfire Crow. Percy and Joe hanging out in his his land with all the trees. Look at them all. If that ain't beautiful, I don't know what is. That's what she says. She's... uh, This character is inherently optimistic, even though her life has been awful. He barely appreciates it, so... He says, uh... It's a shame that's all they are. About 80 years ago, before anyone knew any better, they clear cut through here. Took down everything. This is the stuff you get back. It's no good for lumber. It's not even good enough to pulp for paper. This is all just worthless. But she doesn't care about that. She cares that... She just cares how it looks. How it feels. Yeah. I don't know nothing about trees, but they was mine. He couldn't drag me away with a runaway train. No matter how worthless people said it was. <sighs> now, his land does end up having some value later in a unrelated subplot that barely matters. Probably one of the aspects that makes it more of a Christian film, as it were. A segment of the film that I had forgotten about after years since I'd watched it last. Some scientist is out there checking his trees for some potential thing for, I think, for curing cancer. It's very... So what do you want to show me? Just these. The worthless trees? Maybe not anymore. I come upon this fella out here the other day. Turns out he's some sort of a research scientist. Mm-hmm. He said he'd been looking all over the north for this special medical compound that can only be found in the bark of trees. If you can believe it. Now... He was, he was figuring that it had to be only in first growth trees, but he couldn't find it. And, and then he come up here and saw these. It turns out 
that this compound he's after only happens in stump growth like this. When a tree tries to regenerate itself, he said he could he could kick himself for being so stupid. Because he works for this drug company, right? He's talking about setting up a project out here. Harvest all the bark and uh, to stimulate more stump. It's very brief and sudden and out of nowhere and nothing to do with the main plot. Joe is barely a character here. In fact, in the musical version, Joe doesn't exist. Joe is combined with the sheriff to minimize cast, you know. I don't recall if this tree thing is even part of that story. I guess it wouldn't have to be, because now Joe, or whatever his character's name is, I don't recall, has other things to do. The minute ends with her just leaning up against the tree. Joe in it all, and we cut to, we cut to Hannah, rolling dough in the, wait, is that Hannah? Oh no, Percy's making a pie. That's right, Percy makes Joe a pie. Percy's rolling dough, like for the first time in her life. Shelby Thelpeter. Because that's how this movie is. People do things for other people. Joe's father, he wasn't in this minute, but he was in the previous one, I think. It'll be in the movie later. He never goes outside. He's old. He just sits in a chair and watches TV all day. Percy inspires him to go outside later. Because he reads some of the letters. People explaining why they want the Spitfire. Why they want to move to Gilead. The town is moved by these things. I know I said I didn't think of the movie as a quote-unquote Christian film. It's obviously Christian-friendly. It's wholesome. It's nice. But, uh, I'm looking at a review for the film from Christian Spotlight on Entertainment, a ministry of ChristianAnswers.net. Uh, they gave it four and a half stars. Moral rating was better than average. Hmm, nice. Says the film is brimming with quality, an excellent script, excellent acting, deep, believable characters, and an ending that is both sobering and inspiring. There is no nudity or even implied sex, no more than six or seven profanities, and only very minor violence. Someone gets slapped, someone else gets a couple of verbal whippings. A frank explanation by Percy of the painful secret that led to her imprisonment does make this exceptional film inappropriate for anyone but adults and older teens. Overall, this independently produced film is an excellent choice with several refreshing Christian overtones. Mm. Oh no. <laughs> I come into it thinking, wait, if it's a Christian film, does that mean I have to stop liking it? But I think it doesn't, doesn't stray far from things I like. Uh, I scrolled down to viewer comments. Oof. Get distracted. Christian themes and lessons abound, including life from death, personal responsibility, withholding judgment, and showing mercy. It does not gloss over sin or pretend that it has no consequences, but it also shows that sin can take root in people's lives in different ways. Hannah and Nahum have their own sin patterns that they must face and deal with, just as much as Percy does. Not sure what Hannah's sin is in that sense. I don't know. Probably some Jedi notion. Yoda got in here. Told him about what leads to the dark side. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you. We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm. Afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What has that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. But being sad is sin. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm reading into it, yeah. But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the force are they. Easily they flow. Quick to join you in a fight. 
Once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you, it will. Yeah, that's how it goes, though. The movie does have an adult theme, but then I would probably say the same thing about Gone with the Wind. Well, you probably shouldn't watch Gone with the Wind if you're a Christian. Or anybody. No, it's fine. It's it's problematic, but made in the 30s, talking about the 1800s, it's... You know what you're getting. I would recommend it very highly to Christians to view and discuss among themselves and their older teens. And I recommend very few movies made after 1970. Ugh. So you're old. Okay. Another one says, excellent film, don't miss this one. Follow biblical themes with a heartwarming message. Despite the difficult circumstances Percy had to go through early in life. Causes Christians to see people as God sees them and not judge them as we are. As we are so often tempted to do. <sighs> Is that what it does? Yeah, it's called movies. It's called empathy. It's called life. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I've mentioned in this show before it's come up. But I did grow up as a Christian. And straight from it as much as I could along the way. Grew up in a church that told me the world was going to end. The Bible prophecies show that we are now in the very last days of this civilization. God is not real to most people. But God is real. And he says definitely it is coming. Humanity won't end. But society as we know it on this earth and civilization as we know it will end. Cities are going to be destroyed, but God will cut that time short. And humanity will be saved alive. It was in the 80s, you know, into the Cold War, where we all thought that anyway. World War III is coming. Good times. This is not an exercise. Oldest Top 36, it's a bunch of movies that are about damaged people, about people having to care about other people, doing things for other people. But, I mean, what else is there? I mean, you got action movies, sure, that don't necessarily engage that part of character. Some do, but they don't have to. But any movie worth watching is going to have some of that. Characters needing help, characters driven to help. Because otherwise there's no plot, you have to have the characters coming together for something. Spiritualityandpractice.com calls the movie a soul-satisfying movie about the spiritual process of turning pain into joy and bringing new life out of darkness. This is true, however. This is, I think, why I liked this movie when I first saw it. Why I loved it. Is it about the process of turning pain into joy? Sort of. But really, it's like the old story about the clown. The guy finds him, like, sad and crying on the stairs. He's like, oh, you need to be cheered up. You should go see this guy's show. And it's like, but I'm, I'm that guy. 
I wrote a whole thing about this when Robin Williams died in my blog about how depression can definitely drive you to be cheery, to be hopeful, even though you know it's bullshit. And I think Life's by Fire Girl as a film works for me. The musical is a different beast because in a musical you expect a magical happy ending. As positive and optimistic as Percy is, it's that optimism that leads to her death. Not directly, because a lot of that is on Nahum, his inability to trust this stranger that came into town. Is it bringing new life out of darkness? Sort of. But not for her, which is why it works. There's this tragic centerpiece. She's that character that comes in... Oh, fuck. That's the Christian element, isn't it? <laughs> comes into Gilead, and she's the sacrifice that makes everyone else experience their life better. Ah, well, it's parts of it are so obvious now. Of course it's got a Christian producer. Also, I wonder, where was I in 96 that I needed this? been working office jobs. I was working at Kaiser Permanente in their office doing paperwork. Same paperwork over and over and over. The batches of paperwork we filled out are the reasons people probably got billed multiple times for the same freaking treatments. It sucked. When I sorted them out, I stapled the duplicates together so they wouldn't get entered more than once. That led to a whole thing where removing staples and from things that were stapled wrong and stapling the duplicates properly so they wouldn't get separated again. But I always had tons of staples on my desk and I'd string them together and hook them to the cloth wall of my cubicle. And then the string would get really long so I'd dangle it into another spot and it'd make like these spider web designs. And that got me in trouble with the new temp manager. <laughs> but I'm, what, 20 in 96? Working jobs that go nowhere. Lonely. I have some friends at work, but they're just friends at work. Spend my time not at work. Writing my first novel that I actually complete. I go see a lot of movies in the theater. I'm already watching movies. Obsessing. It was uh, about 94, I believe, that I started really obsessing about the Oscars every year, trying to see the movies up for it. At first, it was just the big awards, because it was my late teens, early 20s, and through the 90s, and I didn't have the money to just go see everything. But I'd go see all the stuff up for Best Picture, up for Actors, Actress, Director, Writing Awards. I wouldn't really make an effort at the short films or whatnot until much later. A few times recently now, I've managed every film on the list before the awards. It's nice to have a target. This year's going to be strange for that, because award season is, has sort of begun, but will run later than usual, and there aren't that many movies. And without movie theaters, it's going to be so much harder to find some of them. Where will the short films be? I don't know. Where will the documentaries be? I don't know. But in 96, I could see those. I remember a friend and I at work talked about this movie. She kept meaning to go see it, but she had a newborn. An infant, a toddler, I don't remember how old it was, but she was busy. When she wasn't at work, she was taking care of the kid. Who kept joking about this, how this should be nominated for awards. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't up for any of the, you know, ones you've heard of. It did win the Award of Distinction at the Australian Cinematographer Society. It won the Christopher Award at the Christopher Awards. I don't know what that means. You should look that up. Maybe I will, before the next episode. And it won the Audience Award at Sundance, which I knew that. It was well-received at Sundance, and then by the time it came out, critics didn't care anymore. And it was an indie film that barely played at any screens, and so no one saw it. 
But I did. And even though its cheese stands out more and more, the more I watch it, each time I watch it, it's like the spiritualityandpractice.com thing ends. Uh, Ellen Burstyn, and, as Hannah and Marsha Gay Harden and Shelby, are astonishingly good as the two women who enable this miracle worker to transform their small community. Now there's a siren outside. I wonder how many small towns are in my top 36. Punxsutawney and Castle Rock. Gilead. Are there more? Haddonfield, maybe. Place where you hear a police siren. Like you might see them here in the background right now. And you need to go outside and find out who's hurt. What's wrong? I think that's it. So my pessimism, my cynicism, draws me to these optimistic things sometimes. An urge. Fulfilled by films so I don't have to care about people in real life. <laughs> that's not true. Not true at all. But it's close. Feels true. <laughs> not in 2020. Yeah. Everything's weird in 2020. Oof. Maybe we get to the war next time. In the meantime, go listen to Annihilation Minute, my other regular show right now. Thursday. Good stuff. Pre-written. Unlike this. It's not me rambling. Oof. Anyway. Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Movie Talk. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook at Cock Bull Minute or check LemonDrops.com for links. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of the coward. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! Shut up! Shut the fuck! You're all right to take me. Shut up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Rejoice for those around you who transform into the force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Shut, 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 shut up! Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed. That is still here? Shut up! What must I do, Master? Now! Train yourself to let go. It's over. Of everything you fear to lose. Go home. Go.